Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. chapter 13 of Hebrews and it's a roller coaster it's fantastic you have this book remember the type of people the folks the audience of Hebrews okay we can really sum it up in three words this was a group of Christians who used to be Jews who are discouraged they're immature they've been persecuted okay and that's something that word right there is something that's probably a little not familiar unfamiliar to me and you we aren't persecuted here I mean the worst persecution me and you will probably face is somebody may say something hurtful they may say something slanderous okay that's not what they were facing they were facing true persecution they were facing jail they had seen this happening and they were being warned there's about to be an even greater persecution coming What you're doing, he's explaining, the author's explaining to the Christians, what you're doing isn't going to get easier, but it's going to require faith. It's going to test every ounce of the trust you have in Jesus. And they were discouraged. And when you take discouragement and you take persecution and you lump that in with immaturity, that's a very dangerous combination. And as you know, here in the book of Hebrews, he has written, there's five warnings throughout this book. And if you're not sure where those are, that's a great thing to study. We've talked about those over the past few months. There are five warnings in there where where he's telling me and you and the audience, guys, this is serious. Like it's not, we're not playing church here. And he, he, he tells it, if you, things such as this, watch out, be careful that you will pay more attention so you don't drift away. I'll tell you what, that is foreign in Christian circles today. Drift away? What do you mean drift away? You can't drift away. Like once I've, I've said the prayer, I can't drift away. He says, listen, grow up a little bit. You should be teachers, but you're not. And if you continue this way, you're going to be trampling the blood of Jesus. That's, you got to think about that. He, he says, listen, here's the other thing. If you keep deliberately sinning, if you choose that that's going to be the life you live, there's no forgiveness left for you. All right? That should make us go, what? Man, the writer of Hebrews must not know healthy doctrine and sound doctrine, right? He needs our help. And remember, when we're reading the Bible, we need their help. (laughs) Okay? It's not the other way around, all right? It's this idea of he's saying, hey, let me warn you, all right? And at the end, he even says, we're going to see here in 13, he says, Bear with my exhortation. Bear with my warning. He knows it's going to be tough. He knows it's going to be difficult. He understands this, right? And so this is a manual. This is such a, if you want to take the book of Hebrews, this manual to revive the faith of the discouraged, the immature, and the persecuted. You have this manual right here, and there isn't three points, right? There's not like, hey, do these two things. This is a deeply theological book. But here's the great thing about this. You want to know what? Following Jesus doesn't require the greatest intellect. It doesn't. 
It doesn't require any of those things. Just because there's a lot of deeper concepts, intellect isn't what's brought. It's the desire. How, how desperately do me and you want to follow Jesus? Because when things get tough, if we're not desperately wanting to follow Jesus, you know what happens when things get tough? You go look for another Jesus. Okay, and that's what happens. Here in the U.S., you're not going to go and probably leave the Christian philosophical worldview when things get tough. We go looking for another Jesus. Like, let me go find something that somebody will teach to me that will make me feel less guilty and less ashamed and less called and less committed, right? The, the writer of Hebrews is intense in his writing. He's done a few things here that I think we need to think about is up until chapter 13, he's done a number of things as I've discussed already. He's warned us. He's given some very clear warnings. You want to know what else the author's done? Inspi- Hopefully you've been inspired as you've read, as you, as you've read this, okay? That you've been inspired. How? Over and over and over again. The author telling us the greatness of Jesus. And, and not only that, but digging into the Jewish history of Moses and even this strange guy Melchizedek and Abraham and all of these folks that as a Jewish person in the first century, we would have thought they are awesome. And the writer tells us they don't even compare to Jesus. They don't even come close to Jesus. That, that Jesus is amazing and it's this inspiration it's this reminder of this immense faith that their forefathers had right that these folks reminding them and we get inspired by that right in hebrews 11 we love reading about how inspiring it was to see men and women take a stand against the hardest of circumstances without even knowing what's coming next and isn't it crazy the author sprinkles in throughout this that these men and women who have gone through life and they have lived such an inspirational faith that they didn't even have it as good as we have it today. They were hoping to meet Jesus one day. They were hoping for the Savior to come one day. And it didn't happen. And you know what? They didn't didn't quit. They ended up giving this up. So giving their lives up, they've, you know, We've been inspired, I hope. Even last week, we talked about these crazy mountains. Because, you know, you got to do a little work. You got to dig in to understand some of this stuff. And he tells a story about Mount Zion and Mount Sinai and how much greater Mount Zion is. And he says, you know, all the people back in the day, they had to go and meet God at this mountain that was scary. And now because of Jesus, we get to go to this mountain that's the complete opposite. It's beautiful. It's, it's angels in a festive gathering. It's the souls of the saints perfected. It's this amazing place that if we could go in there right now, all of us would go, I want to go to that place, okay? And there's this, but, but here's the interesting thing is, maybe you can't be inspired anymore, right? You, you have it too hard. You've you've stopped being inspired by these guys. And and maybe, you know what ends up happening is kind of sad. We're grasping for inspiration in so many places that we do put our hope in speakers and podcasts and authors and all of these things. And you know what? All of those things are fine and good, and I like those things. But there's a point, too, when our hearts can get hardened And we become uninspirable by the word of God. 
We become uninspirable. We become just, just children, just, okay, who's going to feed me the good food? I'm not inspired by this, and I know it should be good, but I'm just not, all right? There, that's a definite heart issue. That's not something we just hopefully one day get over, right? because he spent 12 chapters warning us, inspiring us, coaching us. You know, it's interesting, being a disciple, being a student of Jesus, we've got to want to be coached. We've got to want to be taught. We have to desire that, okay? Christianity isn't, I've got it all on straight, I'm perfect, I know all the answers, and now let's just get to heaven one day. We've got to be teachable, coachable. That has to be a quality in us. And one of the things we've been coached in the book of Hebrews is to encourage one another daily. All right? If you're uninspirable, you didn't even hear that. You're not going to listen to that. You're not going to listen to the coach coach you. All right? You're, you're just not going to do it. You're going to go, oh, yeah, yeah but that's optional. Well, then, then just let's be honest. I don't want to be coached then. I don't want to hear from this guy or this lady who wrote this book of Hebrews. I'm not going to encourage one another daily. What did he know or she know that would help me today? All right. So we've got to examine our hearts on these things because we've been coached. We've been coached to spur one another on to love and good deeds. I want you to think about that. Have you been coachable and teachable enough by the author of this book to go, you know what, that's real. I will spur one another on to love and good deeds. Not spur one another on to stay the same, but to love and good deeds. All right? Or have you been completely unteachable? Because that can be what we approach God with is, you don't mean this stuff. I know better. I know better than these guys that wrote this. In fact, these these words don't really even mean anything. But we will have an accountability to these words one day. Right? And so he's coaching us. He says this in Hebrews 10, after he says, hey, spur one another on. He says, don't stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Right? Don't, Don't stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. That's interesting. No, I don't need the church. I don't need to meet. I mean, we meet so much. I mean, we meet literally for two hours a week. That is so intense right there. That's not intense at all. <laughs> all right, it, to, to, to partake in what we're talking about doing, following Jesus and being used by him to help others follow him, we, we don't meet enough. <laughs> all right, that's the truth. We need each other more during the week to spur one another on. And unfortunately, I feel like I see our culture going away slowly, but surely going away from going, the church is meaningless. A Sunday meeting is meaningless. A Wednesday meeting is, I don't need that. And I'm going, man, I don't know. I've been a disciple for a while, and all I've known over the past couple decades is how much I need it more than I even thought I needed it. Okay, that's just me, okay? But I think we've got to look at this and go, man, have I opened my heart to be coached? Okay, and understand what I'm saying. Not coached by Keith. I'm not up here trying to tell you. I'm saying the word of God. Have I been open to being inspired by the word of God? Have I been open to hearing the warning as a real warning to the word of God, okay? But then 
Right here in Hebrews 13, it's like he takes this story. And it's this amazing, like I said, 12 chapters that are absolutely stunning and inspiring and warning. And then he says this, now I'm going to distill it down to what this looks like in your life now. Like these, it almost looks like in Hebrews 13, he just starts like bullet points on these things. Let's read it and then we're going to dig into it a little bit, okay? So Hebrews 13, verse 1, let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality, for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Right? Remember the prisoners as though you were in prison with them, and the mistreated as though you yourselves were suffering bodily. Marriage must be respected by all, and the marriage bed kept undefiled, because God will judge the immoral people and the adulterers. Your life should be free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it's good for the heart to be established by grace and not by food, since those involved in them have not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle do not have a right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the most holy place by the high priest as a sin offering are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also suffered outside the gate so that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing his disgrace, for we do not have an enduring city here. Instead, we seek the one to come. Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips that confess his name. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are convinced that we have a clear conscience, wanting to conduct ourselves honorably in everything. And I especially urge you to pray that I may be restored to you very soon. There's a lot there. It's just like, there's like 12 things actually that he just went through and it's just like, hold on. Okay, where do I start? I'm, I'm reading that. I'm going, all this stuff at once? That's a little bit overwhelming, you know? And what's even worse than that is, is this last few verses here. The writer actually says, hey, this letter was just brief. This is a brief letter, right? I've gone through the entire theology of Jewish Christianity, and I finished up with 12 things to do. And this is my brief letter. I'm going, whoa, how on earth? You're hearing this, and you're listening to somebody, and they didn't have like a Xerox machine. It's not like they were just printing off copies for everybody. But you're going, hold I got to see that again. I got to hear that. There was a lot there, right? But, but take it back a little further, okay? You had a group of folks that were just asked to do something, and this was a group of people again, who were discouraged, immature, and persecuted. Okay. And now the writer 
in all his insensitivity, not one time tries to even empathize necessarily with the specificity of what's going on. He's saying, here's what I'm going to call you to do to live this way because Jesus is this great. Right now, anyone in our day that were to go, hey, here's the deal. Uh, keep, keep doing these things and just rattle it off. Bro- let brother love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality. Don't, and just rattle it off. Man, I'll tell you what, every one of our defenses go up. In every single way. I've gone, man, I'm overwhelmed. You don't understand how bad I have it. You don't understand how my life has been. How are you to tell me to show hospitality? I don't even have enough money to feed myself. Who are you to, show, to tell me to do this? Don't you know how bad I've had it? Don't you know how rough I've had it? All right, that, that's us today. And it's interesting that the author was like, now let me put this down here because here's the deal. The author's already established the greatness of Jesus. He's already established it and he's saying, here's the deal, okay? This is where the author starts stepping on our toes. This is, he's, he's essentially saying, listen, there are no excuses. Have you had that talk with yourself lately? There are no excuses. It's not like, oh man, but, but I, no, no, no. See, his, he's writing to a people that he's under the assumption that they can become obsessed with Jesus. Okay. It's really hard to fit discipleship into this mold of comfort. It's really tough to do it. And if you try to do it, you find yourself making lots of excuses. It's really, really tough to take Christianity and turn it into something that happens conveniently. Okay? It's really tough to do that, to to go, okay, I'm going to be a disciple. I'm going to follow this risen Savior. That's what I'm going to do. And it's going to be convenient, or I'm not doing it. It's going to be pain-free, or I'm not doing it. Unless I'm having a great day, I'm not doing it. If I don't feel great, I'm not doing it. All right? We're talking about being obsessed with Jesus. And when you're obsessed, you want to know what? That trumps everything when you're obsessed because you're going, hold on a minute. Okay, something real may be going on in my life, but it's not going to stop me. I want Jesus like a heat-seeking missile. That's who I'm after. Not the world, not all of these things. And, and this is what the author is telling us right here. He's saying, listen, if your goal is, is to not be obsessed with Jesus, then he, this is going to become painful and boring, and you're going to fight, and you're going to argue, and you're going to do all these things. But he's saying, this is, this is how you stand up. If you're persecuted, if you're discouraged, if you want to grow up in your faith, this is how you stand up and do that. He's like, if you want to do it, this is how you do it. You know, but I don't know how to do hospitality. Listen, here's what I'm going to tell you. I would love for us to just eliminate a thought pattern that we've invented over the past couple decades that you can't do anything until you're properly trained to do it. Can we stop that for real? Because I'm tired, honestly, of people going, well, I I just need to be trained. Well, you want to know what? I've been in the ministry for 20 years, and I've never had training except from Jesus. And now you're going, oh, gosh, I knew that was his problem, okay? No, 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 no. Here's the deal. I was teachable and coachable, and I had men and women in my life who helped me. But you know what? We have got to stop this of until I'm properly trained. 
You want to know what? Some of you guys have come up in campus ministry where you felt like you've got the short end of the stick because somebody hasn't properly trained you. All right? Listen, you have missed out. You have a Bible in front of you. Okay? No one can train you to be obsessed. No one can. All right? Let me tell you what obsession looks like, all right? Is I'm going I'm to just pick on Stephen a little bit here because he just, man, Stephen's awesome. But anyway, so Stephen's in the country for like a week. Okay? Think about that. He's over here from India. He's been here for a week. He hears about a church. He's like, I don't even know where Madron is. I don't even know. I don't know campus. I don't know Verizon, Starbucks. I don't know these places, but I'm getting on my bike. I'm I'm finding a way to get to that place. And he found it here. A week and a half in, okay? Now, hold up a minute. I can't tell you the number of times people go, I wish the church was closer to campus. It'd be easier for me. I'm going, hold on a minute. Steve is not even from this country. And he got over here with no ride. I can't come today. I don't have a ride. Because you're not obsessed. That's it. You just aren't obsessed. All right? It's obsession with Jesus. will go, I'm getting there. And you want to know what? Madron Center, if I lived in Anderson, wouldn't be too far away from me. Okay? And that's just the deal because, and Stephen even said, Stephen was like, you know what? I was kind of wanting to go to that church right down the street from my house, <laughs> right? It was like right down the block. So much easier, so much more convenient. I'll tell you, we're thankful you came here, Stephen, I'll tell you. But, but here's the deal is, is we can make these excuses, but I'm tired. But I didn't sleep that much last night, but I didn't. Stephen could have gone, I'm not even from this country. I don't even know what Madron is. I don't know what the other side of campus looks like. But I'm going there, right? Listen. Can we be challenged by these things, all right? Maybe we've, maybe we've become a little spoiled, all right? Just a tiny, tiny bit, right? So here's the deal. This is what keeps coming through my mind over and over and over again is this idea of am I, are we able to become obsessed with Jesus? And maybe you are. Can it even rise to another level of being obsessed with Jesus, like that's who I think about. That's who I want to be like. When I fall short of of that, I'm like, come on, let's talk. That's who I want to be like. No, I'm not going to feel all guilted out because it's Jesus. We're going to get back on track, but help me repent, right? This obsession rather than obligation. See, that's what kills us, right? When we start seeing things in terms of obligation, and then it becomes like it's everyone else's fault. Well, they just had these obligations you have to go go to. I'm going, man, it doesn't really matter when you're obsessed. Yeah, I don't have to be the biggest Clemson football fan. I don't have to be the biggest soccer fan. I don't have to be the biggest whatever, you know, interest in town. I don't have to have all of that. It's just, wow, God, just use me. That's what really is, that's what life's about, is is that we're obsessed to that point. And you know what? Without that, we're going to sit in a pew and we're going to or we're going to look for other places that are going to tell us that we don't have to be obsessed. You don't have to be obsessed. You don't have to repent. You don't have to do it. Don't make people feel you're guilty or any of those things. And, and I'm going, that's just not worthy of what Jesus lived for. Right. He's worthy of our obsession. He's worthy of that. You know, we've got to be courageous as I'm reading this. Boy, this takes courage. It takes courage from where we're sitting right now to take a hard look into the Word of God, okay? Turn over to, or to the right to James chapter 1, okay? It's just one page over probably. James chapter 1. And uh, 
in verse 22, he says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, he goes away, he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it. Hardship, perseveres in it. And it's not forgetful a forgetful hearer, but one who does good works, that person will be blessed in what he does. It takes courage for every single one of us. This is why we need each other in many regards, because it's scary to look into this and see me in it. Okay? When I get, when I get kind of not obsessed with Jesus, and I get worldly, and I get about myself, and here's the truth of the matter is, is we all can understand this. We are absolutely obsessed with ourselves. Okay. There's no arguing that. You go, but Keith, you understand, I think I have such a low, like, just self, uh, you know, just such low self-esteem and all that. No, no, no. That's still a product of narcissism. Okay? So you don't get a pass because you're going, no, I just think not that highly of myself. No, 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 no. We are obsessed with us with our comfort, with what other people are doing, with what other people are saying. That's why social media is so enamoring because we're just like, what's that person doing? And what do they look like? And how are they having fun? And they're having fun and I'm not having fun. And how come that, you know, and because we're obsessed with what everybody else is doing and with what we're doing, what we look like in everyone's eyes. We have this obsession. And so it becomes really scary to look into a word, into the word of God that's saying, guys, when you look into this mirror, you're going to see something looking back at you that you might not like. You may look at it and go, wow, oh, gosh, I don't like that, okay? And if you want to live and go to church and be unobsessed with Jesus, you can come up with all kinds of excuses. You can go, man, I just want to go to a place. I don't want to feel bad about myself. Here's the deal is the truth about myself is freeing because we're following Jesus who says, I'll give you freedom. Okay, it's not a burden, it's freedom. It's going, yeah, you know what? I read things and go, this stings, it hurts, it cuts. But thank God we're following Jesus. Thank God Jesus is the one that came, hey, that came down and said, I'm here to give freedom to the prisoners. Isn't that, that's a wonderful thing to have that, okay? So we have to have this, this courage. Um, just got to have this, this courage of um, looking intently into the word of God, of being honest enough to talk to one another honestly. You know what's really easy to do? The more obsessed I am with me, the easier it is for me to find out what your problem is. Like I read the word of God and I find out what your problem is and your problem is. And I read the word of God and I'm like, man, you know, because here's my excuse. If everybody else did better, I'd do better. It's no excuse. If I was in a different ministry, I'd probably be more faithful. That's, believe me, you wouldn't be because you're you. And if you went to another ministry, you'd still be you. Okay? Believe me, stop making excuses that everyone else is the problem. Right? That it's like, oh, man, but if the ministry was bigger, if this was better, if that was... Listen, man, that is the language of excuse. That's the language of saying, I don't need to be obsessed with Jesus. I just need worldly things. No, 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 no. If Jesus and the author took 12 chapters to establish, we have no excuse at all to say, you know, if only this were like this, I'd grow. 
He's like, no, 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 Jesus, Jesus, God the Father, has worked in lives that looked completely, desperately lost. It, it, it's amazing how many people, you know, you think of the story of Abraham and Isaac. All right? How many excuses could Abraham have made? How many? You're going, but how many people were down at the camp that were worse than Abraham? How many people? You're, you're, you're trotting your son up the mountain, and you're thinking, but you know what? That, those dudes down there, they're way worse than me, and I've got to give up my son, and I've got to. You see what I'm talking about is, is when you're not obsessed, it's too easy to listen to everybody else and to compare and to think about all of these things instead of going, no, God, I'm obsessed with you. But what about all of this? Here's what obsession tells us when we're obsessed with Jesus. We hear the voice, don't worry about other people. Don't worry about those things. But what if they get something I don't get? What if their life is easier than mine? What if they're... Turn over to John chapter 21, okay? Right here in this gospel that uh, the apostle John wrote. Uh, John, right at the end here. Just so we know we're in good company, okay, because this is always good. Um, Just so we know we're in good company, because sometimes it can feel kind of heavy when you're reading the Bible and going, I'm the worst. Oh, man, everyone's sitting around me. They're all obsessed, and I'm not. I'm horrible. I'm scared to death. I'm saying, buddy, we're all in the same boat, okay? And there may be some of us that, you know, you're mature at different times. But I'm going to tell you, it's subject because, listen, if you're on a high now, you may find yourself on a low in a week. All right? We need each other here. Uh, So Peter and Jesus are walking around, and Peter was ashamed. Okay? He was ashamed because he had denied Jesus three times. Okay? Can we count that as a failure? I would think we all agree with that. Okay? Like denying Jesus three times. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. All right? Well, then, here comes Jesus back into Peter's life. And he's like, come on, take a walk with me. <laughs> Can you imagine the anxiety? Hey, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking to you, Peter. <laughs> you know, I know you said you didn't know me, but you know me, right? Come on, let's go for a walk. I'm going, oh, my goodness, I'm done. And he starts walking with him, and he's having this really great inspirational, get up, get back on your horse. Uh, you, do you love me? Let me like test your heart a little bit. Let me encourage you. Let me give you some purpose in your life. And he notices like behind him, there's John is like walking, like listening. You ever seen that before? Like somebody like they, they just want to hear kind of what's going looks like Kimberly's getting in trouble there. Let me, let me, I'm going to stand over here in the fellowship. I'm like, man, you know, she's getting, looks like she's in trouble. I'm going to listen to that. And Peter turned around, all right? In verse 20, so Peter turned around and he saw the disciple Jesus loved following them. The disciple was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and asked, Lord, who is the one that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? (laughs) What about that guy? Like, how come you're walking me around? I'm embarrassed. My friends are over there that see it. They know I denied you. We're kind of alone. This is humiliating to me. Come on, Jesus. Like, what about him? Give me something on him, right? And then Jesus says this. um, (laughs) If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? (laughs) As for you, you follow me. Whoo! 
Jesus is so insensitive. Doesn't he understand that Peter's like nervous and he's like, maybe he's a little fragile at this point. And he's just like, come on, Jesus, like help the man out a little bit. But this is a conversation me and you got to have with each other. Okay. Is this idea, man, stop worrying about what other people are doing. Stop worrying about who's getting something, who's not getting something, how bad you have it, how good someone else has it. All right. Just stop it and hear the words of Jesus. All right. If I want them to remain until I come, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Okay, that's what we got to hear from Jesus. All right, but here's the deal. It comes down to, am I willing to become obsessed with Jesus? Because when I'm discouraged and immature and persecuted, that's the only thing that's going to navigate me into what he's talking about in chapter 13 of hospitality and brotherly love. And why would I be giving to people? Why would I go to a prison to help somebody when I'm hurting? Because I'm obsessed with Jesus. That's why. All right. I'm not doing this just to like get some like stars and some, you know, kind of reward. I'm obsessed with Jesus. Why would I do this? Why would I live free from the love of money? I'm poor. I'm persecuted. I'm discouraged. I need more money. No, 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 no. Jesus will supply whatever I need because I'm obsessed with him. Okay, he tells you, he, he, he has a couple of lines here in Hebrews 13 where he says, remember your leaders, okay? One of the things that he says, he's actually talking about, remember these guys that I spoke about two chapters before, remember them? And he says, figure out, like, pay attention to their way of life. And, and what that probably meant was pay attention, they died. Okay? Like, be encouraged when you look back at Moses, and be encouraged when you look back at Abraham, and be encouraged when you look back at these guys, and take note of their way of life. Take note of that, and take note that they died. Because, buddy, gear yourself up. It's coming. That's what he's telling them, okay? Remember this, all right? He tells them a little bit later than that. He says, obey your leaders. Go, no, heck no. That's public enemy number one. That's the person you don't want to like in the church. That's the person you want to give a hard time to. That's the person you're like, you're, okay, I used to like you until you're a leader. <laughs> and that's happened before. It's like, I used to have a great relationship with this person, and then they became a family group leader, and I hated them. <laughs> All right? I'm going, listen, you know what? When I'm obsessed with Jesus, you know what's crazy is I'm not being called to obey a worldly leader as, a, as humanism. Yeah. I'm going, you know what? God probably didn't mess up. God probably didn't mess up. And I know that hurts to hear because you're going, no, no, no. He did mess up because he did not put me there. He, I can give you 20 reasons why that guy shouldn't be a leader. You could probably give 50 reasons. You could probably give 100 reasons. Because listen, men, humanity, human beings, we shouldn't be. Our goodness isn't what does it, okay? So yeah, if you want to make like a list of all of the ways that people shouldn't be leaders in your life, go ahead. It doesn't change anything. This is the idea of going, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And this, I'll tell you what, man, this will hit like the, the self-centeredness and the narcissism in us. This will hit it so hard, it will infuriate us. <laughs> go, Keith, how come you, you have no right to preach that? I actually do, <laughs> okay? I actually am one of these guys. And that's not arrogant to say that. That's just the truth. 
But we've got to fight this narcissism. We've got to fight this selfishness that's making us go, no, by golly, my battle, I'm going to teach that, you know. Going, hey, you know what, man? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to be obsessed with Jesus, all of us. You go, I'm not going to because it came from the pulpit. I refuse to be obsessed with Jesus. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. But believe me, we are all going to have to answer. Okay. We just are going to have, no matter who the mouthpiece is up here, no matter who it is, all right? If we march somebody in from the children's church and they give the same message, we can't go, well, man, they don't even know what it's like to be an adult. I don't have to do that. Mm-mm. Man, this is the word of God, right? This is the word of God. We need each other, every single one of us. doesn't matter what the role is. Every single one, every single one of us need to be obsessed with Jesus. Every single one of us is, is whether we're discouraged, immature, or persecuted, Every single one of us, this is what we become obsessed with, and that's who we become obsessed with, all right? And, and that, boy, when I read this in Hebrews 13, I'm like, wow, this is scary. It's inspiring. I love it. It, it calls me higher. But, man, uh, what's it doing to you? Okay, I want you to think about that. Just get, get an idea. You may be angry. You may be upset. You may be inspired. I want you to take some time today and think about what did this do to me? In Hebrews 13. What did this person write that made me like go into the excuse mode? Because I'm telling you, as I read this a couple times, I could have wrote a list down of excuses. I'm just telling you, I, I'm learning more about my spiritual gifts. Making excuses is one of them. I'm good at it, okay? I mean, I can put it down. That You're going, hold on a minute. Is that really a spiritual gift? No, 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 no. It's just a joke, okay? It's just, but I'm telling you, I am good at that. And I've got to go, hold on, hold up a minute. Uh-uh. No excuses. Jesus is awesome.